Welcome to the Meta Business Podcast. The Metaverse and Web3 are bringing about the biggest revolution since the internet itself. With your hosts, Paul the Prophet Dawalibi and Jeff the Juice Cohen, we will be bringing you the latest Metaverse business news and insight into what it all means. The Meta Business Podcast starts now. From the boardroom to the metaverse, this is the Meta Business Podcast. I am Paul the Prophet Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Jeff the Juice Cohen. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the official podcast of the Metaverse. What we do is we cover the most pressing Metaverse topics and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this industry. For our regular listeners, thank you guys for tuning in every week. Thank you for all the five-star ratings and reviews, all the love you give the podcast. If you haven't already, do two things. Share the podcast with a friend or a colleague. Send them an episode that you love particularly or that maybe talks about something that you really agreed or disagreed with. Uh, And leave that five-star rating and review. It really helps uh, other people to find the podcast. Jeff, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. This is uh, second week in a row I'm recording from my in-law's basement, and it is freezing down here. It's like a, you can hang meat in this basement. It's it's really, I've got a blanket on, like you can barely, you know, you probably can't see if you listen to it, but it's, uh, it's quite cold. And um, yeah, I don't know. Just uh, other than that, good. All, all issues we don't have in the metaverse. No. We are going mean, need- to unless, unless we get that, what, what was the uh, thing we talked about where it was like, gave you sensory, you know, like you could feel oh, yeah. something in your, you know, your, your, someone slapping you in the face in the metaverse or something. Yeah, it was it was uh, vibrations through your teeth or, th- or something like that, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, I feel like we will end up w- with mostly meat lockers, though. If the if the like capital M metaverse comes to fruition, it's just going to be a bunch of humans strapped in, and you're going to need to cool room. them, right? Like you need to cool them the same way you cool servers, right? Like exactly. all these humans that. <laughs> so oh, I'm just, just ahead of the game. I mean, I'm basically in the metaverse right now. We're virtually having a conversation and I'm sitting here in this meat locker. So we're just ahead of the curve, I think. What I'm thinking is we should be investing in meat lockers to warehouse human beings who are going to be plugged into the metaverse is is what I'm thinking. Maybe the think, next great investment you know, opportunity. Have you ever heard the expression sometimes being too early is the same thing as being wrong? <laughs> I fear we might be a little too early. A little too early on that. Well, um, let's jump into this because there's a guy here in in our first story who definitely was not too early. Uh, Or maybe he was too early, but he's making up for it now. And and that's Neil Stevenson, uh, the man who coined the term metaverse uh, in 1992. So the headline here is Neil Stevenson coined metaverse in 1992. Now he's building one. The author is working with a number of crypto veterans on a new metaverse-focused base layer, Lamina One. So, uh, in his in his hit novel Snow Crash, he's the he's the guy Neil Stevenson who coined the term metaverse, or at least used it for the first time in a way that people recognize, you know, publicly here. And 30 years later, he's teaming up with Peter Vessens. I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation of his name, but to bring this metaverse-focused blockchain called Lamina One to life. Now. Um, let me just read the, the, the quote here from Stevenson. He says, the Facebook name change was a big milestone for the metaverse, although the idea had been building for some time before that. While big companies like Microsoft became interested, what also happened was lots of smaller players became interested too. 
There are a lot of people who want to get in on the metaverse and build their dreams, build their ideas, realize their creative notions or their commercial ambitions. Now, um, it's supposedly the first iteration of this blockchain is going to be a friendly fork or partnership of Avalanche. And there are some, you know, relatively well-known financial backers of the project. Curious to get, Jeff, your thoughts on this. You know, the guy who coined the term metaverse, is he the perfect one and the one most likely to build it? I mean, should we, I mean, is this, <laughs> I mean, it, is this what we were all waiting for? It's pretty cool. It makes for an interesting, you know, story, or maybe like we'll see a movie of this one day where it's like the OG, the guy who invented the term kind of coming back to now, you know, build his vision properly. Uh, so I think that would be pretty cool. What, what just is, is weird to me, it's like, this guy's an author, right? You know, like I get he's partnered with a lot of technical people, but you know, to what extent does he really have, you know, the technical, why is he necessarily best suited to build this? Um, you know, just besides the fact that he invented the term, I get that. I'll, I'll put some respect on him for that. But like, at the end of the day, he's an author. Um, unless I'm, unless I'm mistaken and maybe he does other things and he's a technologist as well, but like he's an author. So I don't know how much credence we should give him to build a virtual world. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, part of this makes me think maybe this symbolizes a little bit of like the near term peak where it's like, okay, we've, we've truly maybe jumped the shark a little bit where we finally come full circle where the guy who started it all is now like getting into the hype. Um, you know, to, to build his, his vision of it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, that, that, that's my initial thoughts. What do you, what do you think? No, I think it, I was going to say so much of the same thing. I mean, it's super insightful. I think maybe this is the signal that, you know, like, cause he could have jumped in at any time. Realistically, he invented the war. I mean, he could have done this in 1994. If he really like, if he had the technology vision, this feels a little bit like, you know, if, it's a branding play. It's let's put this guy's name on this project because it'll help us raise money and it'll get some articles written. I, I'll, I'll take a little bit of a stronger stance than yours. And, and I'll say, I don't think he brings that much to the table. And if anything, I find it a little bit offensive even, right? Like we, we continue to downplay how hard it is to make a game, a virtual world, a metaverse, right? Any any variation or version of the same concept here is incredibly difficult, right? Like mm-hmm. incredibly difficult. And and maybe he has the creative chops to make this work, but this is not, they're not even building a virtual world here. They're building a a blockchain layer, right? Like a uh like a really hardcore piece of technology that will underpin a metaverse. Right. Um, and, and then they said something about it's based, it's going to be concepts of it will be based on the book, which is like, I, I, you know, not sure how I feel about that. Um, you know, it sounds like they're building a game, if nothing else. Like you have the, that, the layer and then maybe, you know, if they're building a, a, what is a metaverse based on a book, like that's essentially just a story based game. So like, why not just come out and say that's what you're doing? I, I don't know. Again, it's a, it's a little bit weird, and I just think it's a little flippant that everyone thinks they can build like their own world, their own game, their own metaverse, their own. <sighs> you either need vast resources or really deep gaming talent, in my mind. You, like you need one of the two, mm-hmm. ideally both, but you need definitely need one of the two. 
Would you would you go as far as to say, and and maybe this isn't, maybe I don't know as I'm saying this if I necessarily believe it. Would you be say? Would you go as far as to say that whoever ends up becoming the metaverse probably won't be someone that started out with the explicit goal of saying, "Hey, we're going to build the metaverse," right? Like maybe it'll be someone that builds some layer or just has a game, right? Like it could be, you know, Fortnite, which clearly never started out by saying we're going to build a metaverse, even Roblox. Like they, they didn't use that term until fairly recently. Like, do you think that's a fair statement or, or we jumped the shark where now everyone's trying to create a metaverse. So that probably we're a little past that. Inevitably. I, and I mean, we've touched on this before. Inevitably, I think it's going to be both, right? You're going to have the metas slash Facebooks of the world, and and you, they're you know they're not going to spend ten billion dollars a year and and sh- have nothing to show for it. They're going to have something, but these will be interconnected metaverses that sort of, like I said, like the Internet of today, you know, all operate together. And there will be ones that were purpose built for this, and there were ones there'll be ones that started very differently and are plugging into it, like a Fortnite, mm-hmm. like a Roblox, like a you know any of these others. So it's going to be a mix in my mind. You know, if I had my crystal ball here. Uh, but this Neil Stevenson metaverse or layer or whatever, I, I'm, I'm pretty bearish on this. Let's put it that way. I'm not, I'm not sure I understand where this fits into the whole ecosystem or why it's even needed. Uh, I almost wonder, and I'm, now I'm just completely going like way off the rails or if it's going to be something like, so out of, like, I'm thinking of a scenario, you know, some company is trying to solve a cure blindness so they come up with a contact lens that's really good at augmented reality and then they make it it's so good that all of a sudden it's like wait this is better than than regular eyesight and like let's live in these you know with this augmented reality or in this virtual world boom like they become the metaverse obviously that's just one crazy example but like i i I don't know yeah i'm I'm with you up until the point where it's boom they become the metaverse it's more like boom they plug into the metaverse fair Right? I was thinking, okay, yeah, yeah. people just start spend, using it more, spending more time in it. And then it's like, wait a second, we're actually spending our whole lives like behind these contact lenses. Wait, we're actually just in this metaverse. We didn't realize we were, but turns out we are. I don't know. Part I mean, of you're going to get a lot of like, out. I mean, companies like ours, for example, media content companies that are going to plug into metaverses, not, you know, not having started as metaverse plays, but where you have IP and you have like a little bit of technology, but you have a business that creates content. I mean, all of that will end up plugging in, I think. So like I said, it'll be a mishmash and and there may be some breakthroughs that realize there are huge metaverse implications, but I don't think they become the metaverse. I think they end up plugging into it. Um, Let's talk about, uh, you know, Web3 games that actually do exist today. And this article uh, from Cointelegraph talking about Gala Games. So Gala Games Web3 game Grit, now accessible for Epic Game Store's 194 million plus players. So Gala Games, uh, they produce Web3 games, blockchain-based games. They're bringing some of their games to the masses on the Epic Games Store. So they, you know, they, the 194 million plus user number, that's uh, the Epic Games Store download number. Um, and so they recently launched their Gala Music platform. They launched a first-person shooter and they their upcoming launch of Spider Tanks, which they're calling the world's first NFT esport. All of these things are going to be accessible 
from the Epic Games Store. They also have Grit, uh, a ride-or-die battle royale set in the Wild West, and that's going to be the first one that comes to the Epic Games Store. So uh, uh, a a ride-or-die battle royale set in the Wild West. It's launching later in 2022, and fans today can wishlist the, the game, which will obviously be free. So, um, you know, we talked a little bit, I think, on a past episode, Jeff, of the Epic Games Store purposely, you know, saying welcoming uh, blockchain-based games, Web3 games versus uh, Valve Steam, which has very openly said we don't want Web3 games. We don't want blockchain-based games on our platform. Now it feels like it's becoming more real. What do you think of Gala Games putting Grit on the Epic Games Store? And, and you know, will this be a success? What does the crystal ball tell you? I think it almost has to be for the space. It's a big moment for the space and, and for Epic, right? Because it's one of the first blockchain games kind of coming into the mainstream, being on a, a launcher like Epic Game Store. Like this is a big moment. It's very accessible, easily downloadable, uh, easy first-time user experience. And also, I don't think we can underrate Epic has a huge incentive to push this, right? Like they've made this big narrative around, hey, we're going to be, we're welcoming for blockchain games. Steam is not like, this is one of the few flanks that I think maybe the Epic Game Store sees that they can sort of maneuver around, uh, around Steam. So I think they're going to be spending a decent amount of marketing on it. They're probably going to give it a bunch of featuring. So it's a big moment, I think, for, for the Web3 gaming space, because if, if Epic does that, and like we said, like we saw, there's 200, almost 200 million people who have the Epic Game Store. I doubt that's probably not DAU or MAU, but it's a, it's a large distribution platform. If Epic puts all that resources and all that might behind it, and this game, these games kind of flop and have 100,000 MAU or D, like DAU, like we've seen with some of these other platforms like Sandbox and Decentraland, it just kind of falls flat. Like, what does that say for the space? If you have projects that are backed by Gala Games, which is, you know, one of the more reputable kind of uh, blockchain gaming studios out there. And then with the marketing heft and kind of distribution of Epic, if that doesn't work, like that's a big, I think that's a pretty big black mark. That's my take, at least. It's an interesting take. I see it as a grid in my head. Like there's uh, on the, on the X axis, you have Epic, pushes this on their platform in a big way and Epic doesn't push this on a pla- their platform in a big way, right? So they just put it up there for people to find. And then on the Y-axis, you have the, the Gala Grit, this Gala Games Web3 game Grit is a massive runaway success. And you have, it's a, you know, middling success slash failure, right? Like a few hundred thousand players to your point or a hundred thousand players, whatever it is. And so... Like if we go through every the four squares, the four quadrants of this grid, if Epic doesn't push it and it's not a success, it's sort of easy for the crypto community to say, well, it's Epic's fault. They didn't push this, right? The games are good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't get the might of the platform. So, I, you know, to me, that's maybe one of the worst scenarios because no one really wins. Like there, there's no winner there. Yeah. Epic maybe looks bad. The crypto games have to sort of cover themselves and make excuses. Um, in the scenario where Epic doesn't push it and the game's a runaway hit, I mean, we learn a lot, right? If That's they don't push it, the game's, 
it's kind of good for everyone. And it, it proves that there's a market for these games and that basically Epic was right to put them on their platform, right? Players, if it's a runaway hit, it means players love it. Um, so to me, that's like a, a win-win scenario. If you look at Epic pushing the game big time and it's a flop, that, that square is also like a very, it's a very bad square, but it's not telling enough, right? Because if Epic pushes it and the game still flops, it, it's, we know too much to know that that's not that telling. In other words, yeah. you can't really conclude that it's just the game that sucks because Epic Game Store is not that great of a game store, right? Like it, it's not Steam. It's just the reality. Uh, and most people go there for Fortnite. And so we don't know if it's the pushing it that was the problem or if it was the game that was the problem. Yeah. And then the last quadrant is, you know, they pushed it big time and it's a runaway success. Also not very telling because, again, we don't know who to attribute the success to. Is it temporary because Epic has a ton of distribution or is it because the games are inherently good? And, and so I come back to like in three of the four scenarios, we basically learn nothing of any value here. We can't. <laughs> draw any real conclusions um and and so it's frustrating right as people who comment on this but i i i think deep down it's too soon i i don't think the games are good enough and my concern is epic rushing this out may alienate players from in this entire genre not because the genre is bad but because the games today are not that good so i guess with the with that point, your premise is you are saying that because it's on the Epic Game Store, it is likely to bring in non-block like blockchain enthusiasts. It is likely to reach more mainstream. Is that a fair, fair, fair absolutely fair? Right. I think I agree with like, that. I just wasn't sure if you if that's something you were willing to acknowledge. This happens in traditional sports too. I think right. Like I know it happens in hockey, but I'm sure it happens in others where you get a, a, a really promising rookie. Right. But he's played college, whatever sport his you know, the last five years with guys who are maybe smaller or not as fast or whatever. And then he gets to the big leagues and it's clear they're not ready. They're talented, but they're not ready. Right. And if you put them in too soon, you risk ruining their career. Right. Like they end up looking horrible. The, they don't perform well. Like you, you, there's a. I, I feel this is maybe a too soon moment for blockchain-based games. That's fair. I guess if you put your crystal ball or your, your sort of uh, prognosticator hat on, where, which quadrant do you think this falls in? Like, are we talking three months from now? Or I forget when we said the game launches, but are we talking in the future? Like, wow, that was a big moment for the industry. Like, that was the first game that really maybe clicked for the mainstream gaming audience. Or you think this is just a nothing burger of a story it kind of flops and goes away. I think everyone plays it safe is the worst kind of the, you know, the, maybe the quadrant that we didn't talk about, but like, I think Epic's going to push it, but not, you know, it's not going to be front page for the next six weeks. They'll put it up a week. Maybe uh, they'll let fans, you know, wish list it like they mentioned in the article and then it'll go away. And I think the game will get, you know, maybe a hundred, hundred thousand players and decline over the next six months. And then six months from now, we will never talk about this game. And so um, I think the end result is sort of bad for both parties, unfortunately, but I think it's because they're doing this too soon. They're, they're, like it has to be, 
I won't say Fortnite quality game, but it has to be a game that rivals any of the big, um, the big, you know, titles that Epic Game Store would put up for this to be a success. Yeah. What's interesting is, you, you, you know, when you quantified success, you, you know, you kind of said like, hey, it'll be a game and maybe it'll be popular at first. And then six months from now, no one will talk about it or play it. Like, it's funny how it, in regular gaming, like that could be viewed as a success, right? Like a game that comes out, like I'm trying to think of an example, like a Valheim or like there's been a wow. number of games. Yeah, like there's a lot of games that come out, have a big shark fan and then sort of like you know, they fizzle out with blockchain gaming. The thing that I'm thinking is like that model becomes a lot harder because people are owning the assets in the game. So like, it, it's really hard to make that, that model successful. Like you're always going to have players that are angry. If that's the sort of curve of enjoyment or curve of um, like players. It, in it, the game. Yeah. If you admit that part of the enjoyment of the game is the value of the assets you pull from the game, yeah. then a declining player base only has a direct impact uh, on the value of your assets and therefore on the enjoyment of the game. Exactly. That's exactly the point I was trying to make right? more eloquently. <laughs> but you have to admit the first principle, which is part of the enjoyment of these games has to be that you end up owning something. Yeah. Um, and I think right now that is the case, close. right? That is the core, you know, owning and earning. We always talk about this. Like that is the core motivation, I think, currently in these games. And it almost makes makes it impossible for any game to be a long-term success, except for like a, you know, a Fortnite style, like many, many year live service. And there's only a few of those that ever have existed. That's what worries me about I mean, the whole space. You can compare it to any live service game, whether it's WoW or Apex, right? When player bases in those games decline, it doesn't really affect my enjoyment unless like the player base absolutely craters, yeah. right? And there's there no one to interact with in the game. But going from 5 million to 2 million players in WoW, for example, would have basically no impact on anyone's enjoyment of the game. In these In these games, going from 5 million players to 2 million players will have a major impact on the value of the assets and therefore may affect the enjoyment of everybody. I don't know. Jeff, let's talk. I, I want to do one more epic story here. In fact, I want to end on this last epic story because I think it's definitely relevant. And the headline here is Tim Sweeney says, Fortnite token cryptocurrency is a scam. So the crypto company defended itself saying the new token is a fair launch, community-driven, Fortnite game fans created cryptocurrency project. So um, Tim Sweeney came out, called this new Fortnite token a scam, warned that the company's preparing legal action to shut it down, and the creators of Fortnite token are, have pushed back. They say it's fan-created. There's no owner or company structure behind it. Um, and, and so there's this back and forth here. Um, I mean, where do you fall on... This is an interesting one, right? Because... In this world of decentralized assets, um, making a Fortnite token should definitely be allowed, I guess, right? No one should, ideally, no one should control it. Clearly, mm -hmm. Tim Sweeney wants to make sure he controls it or shuts it down. Um, 
you know, who's in the right, who's in the wrong here? What do you think of this Fortnite and token? I feel like the nature of this this podcast, we're starting to talk about a lot of legal issues. We may need a, we may need a lawyer. We may need to bring Jimmy in. <laughs> we need a lawyer. Uh, it's like every episode. It's like, uh, hey, is this should this be regulated? Is this legal? Um, but yeah, no, I think it's interesting because Tim Sweeney usually seems to saw at least outwardly side on the side of like decentralization. Open, you know, famously has you know, went on the offensive against Apple for being a monopolist. So like he seems to always um, kind of lean that way. However, in this case, I think what he's probably trying to do is he knows this Fortnite cryptocurrency is likely a pump and dump and will almost certainly end at zero and probably wants to make sure that he, there's not a bunch of stories two months from now about kids who bought, you know, a thousand dollars worth of this on their parents' credit card. And then it went to zero because obviously that's, what's going to happen here. So I think, I think that's why he's probably being so, you know, out upfront about this and getting in front of that, because it's probably likely to end in tears for, for many people who who buy into this, um, you know, scam currency. So I I think that's probably why he's, why he's so aggressively uh, against it. I mean, I wonder, I really wonder if he's d- gone under the covers and actually done some due diligence to figure out if it's a scam or not. Because just calling it a scam because it uses the name of his game is not, that, to me, that's, this is his ego, right? Because his ego is hurt. Someone's using the name of his game. I mean, he's, he's proven to be maybe the most distracted CEO of all time, maybe the most litigious or one of the most litigious or the best at losing uh, legal cases. And, and, you know, I find his attack here, to your point, really ironic, right? The man of the people going after the little guy here, right? This fan created cryptocurrency project, instead of embracing it, acquiring it, I don't know, like, it feels like, and maybe he did do his due diligence, and it's absolutely a scam. And then, you know, uh, right on him to try and shut it down. So no one gets hurt. But if it's not, and it's real, and these are real Fortnite fans behind it, I'm, I'm a bit surprised that he hasn't taken the time to say, okay, what's going on here and how can we integrate it in what we're doing? And I think it tips the hat of where his head really is at with Fortnite. He does not care about fans, user-generated content, right? people building stuff on his platform. He has a vision for Fortnite. He's going to build that vision the way he wants it, the way he wants to do it, and everyone else get out of the way sort of thing. Like it's the bulldozer model of product development. And rightly or wrongly, I think I, I, what, I, what bothers me is the hypocrisy of pretending like you're a man of the people and then going attacking the people anytime they want to do something with your game. Yeah, I think that's a really good distinction. I mean, because I... We don't know under the covers whether this coin is a scam or really is just a, like a grassroots community engagement tool. My initial like snap judgment is that in this case, he's, he's probably right. Probably is someone just looking to make a quick buck on a pump and dump off the Fortnite name. Um, but to your point, it could be a really well thought out project that, you know, is, is a community driven like grassroots effort from, from his most passionate fans, which in that case... I would I would say that that's foolish to to shut it down. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm consistently disappointed by Tim Sweeney and I, and and there's a um, 
you know, in the back of my mind, I'm going, I wonder how great Epic could be if there was different leadership there. Like, I really think that's a company that is underperforming relative to their potential. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a major leadership problem. And this is just one in another line of sort of things we can point to where they're just not focused on the right things, it seems, at all, at all. Right. And then there's all kinds of hypocrisy. Right. We, we're we're crypto people come to Epic Game Store, but crypto project, we're going to crush you. Right. Like that's true. Uh, like it's just, none, none of it feels authentic. None of it feels like sincere. Um, and and I just I, I wish there was different leadership there. That's that's my, my take on Epic. Um, that brings us though to the end of this episode, Jeff, uh, as usual, it flies by. I just want to tell people not, don't just follow the podcast. Make sure to go follow Jeff, the juice at Jeff Cohen 23 on Twitter. He always puts good stuff up there. And so I highly recommend doing that. Make sure to share the podcast with a friend, uh, subscribe to our sister podcast, Meta woman and business of esports. If you don't already, uh, but we really appreciate you guys tuning in every week. Don't forget the future is fun. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Business. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Business.